Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here. Welcome to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. It's been a pretty exciting week. Just started teaching my new MBA program at a college, which has been pretty exciting. Uh, later today, going to see Colin of a Fitzpatrick's new movie, uh, Colin in Black and White with Netflix. That should be pretty exciting. Uh, going to see Alan Walker and have a nice weekend off. Anyways, today we have a very special guest for us on the line. Uh, his name's Jesse Navarro. Uh, he's a specialist in affiliate marketing, but he's so much more than that. Um, why don't you take a moment to introduce yourself, Jesse? Let people know who you are, where you live, what, what's cool about you, some of your background, and so forth. Awesome. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, Part of what I do is, is exactly that, work with Philip Marketing, more of uh, more just internal promotion. So some of the brands that I've worked with before in the past with my friend Sean Bossler, uh, work with uh, guys like Ty Lopez, uh, Adrian Morrison, Anthony Morrison, Sam Ovens, uh, working with some larger other larger brands right now with guys over at uh, Keegley and, and uh, Subtune Astro, uh, Jamil Damji, uh, Peace Morby, they has got a TV show on A&E which is super cool. Um, so, you know, my, my role is to uh, basically help cross promotions between all those guys and, uh, and, and make internal, just build revenue internally. Uh, so that's kind of a little bit what I do. I'm coming up, calling out here from Boise, Idaho. Uh, I got two kids, um, family just kind of hanging out here. Uh, my wife grew up here. So we kind of moved here from Seattle, Washington. I grew up in Seattle. Um, one cool thing is uh, Leonard and I met up through Pokemon. So, <laughs> you know, you know, Leonard, Leonard's a huge Pokemon fan. I am also a huge Pokemon fan. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm finding out, I've been in marketing for a while, but I found out that, uh, you know, people, marketers love talking about marketing, but we really love talking about the passion stuff. So, <laughs> so I don't know if Leonard and I would have been a close friends if uh, we talked about marketing versus uh, how many Pikachus we have. So. <laughs> yeah, like I Anyways. noticed, like um, I, I know a lot of marketers. Some of them are my friends, but we never talk about marketing together. There's only one person I know who specifically wants to like bring up marketing every single time, and I kind of avoid them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like yeah, you know, this is what I do for a living, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, buddy, I get paid to do this. Let's uh, let's talk about something else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but I, I mean, you mentioned a lot of great names like Sam Ovens, Ty Lopez, and a lot of big people that people actually recognize. But before we get into any of that, you just recently took a trip, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, traveling is huge for us. We just got back from Dubai. My wife has family over there in Dubai. Uh, it's my third time there, um, and it gets better every single time. The weather's fantastic. Uh, but I think the the more, the more thing, I was actually talking to someone else about this, just how much money that's there in Dubai, like just throwaway money is just absolutely insane. Just if you have any chance to go to Dubai, I'd say go just to help reset your mind, your mindset on things. Because, I mean, guys out there, they got so much money. When I mean throwaway money, I mean, you're driving down. I see like a half a million dollar Ferraris driving down, and it literally is throwaway money. Like the half a million to them is like, you know, it's literally buying a stick of gum <laughs> through the, you know, the grocery counter on your when you're checking out. And uh, so it kind of resets your mind a lot of like, all right, you know, this is kind of the new level of money. 
but uh, yeah, Dubai is fun, man. It's good to go. Good place to go. Awesome beaches. Yeah, it's kind of interesting in Los Angeles, like Platinum Motorsports, which is a, exotic dealers that sell like the Lamborghinis, the Bentleys, and the other cars of that sort. They're like, yeah, we've been selling out inventory like crazy ever since this pandemic started. Like people aren't doing the things that they normally do, like blowing bottles at the club and things like that. So they're like, uh, I got this extra money. I don't really know what to do with it. So they've been investing a lot of their extra capital into buying exotic cars as well, or leasing them, or whatever they do. So that's been a huge uptick. What you? What else? did you do in uh dubai and like how often do you travel a year yeah so this year was pretty crazy because we were in playa del carmen in uh beginning of the year so anytime we travel internationally big trips there's always some wild going on so during the capital riots that are happening uh uh on the east coast uh, we were in vacationing in playa del carmen so i was, uh, <laughs> I was on the beach uh, reading the news of what's going on in the states uh, and then I travel here locally a lot. So, I was, you know, New York, been so far this year, we've been in New York, Vegas, um, San Diego, never haven't been to LA yet this year. Uh, um, and then of course we, you know, Dubai as well. Next year we're heading out to Amsterdam, uh, with the family. So it's, you know, traveling as much as we, as we can. I, I got tons of travel hacks if you guys are <laughs> at all interested in that kind of stuff. But, uh, but I mean, kind of what you said is affiliate marketing episode. Just kidding. <laughs> Well, yeah, it, it's a, you know, but you know, it's so funny that what you had mentioned though, like people buying up cars, you know, you know, you know buying up a lot of cars and, and it, it's something that I, I would imagine, you know, people are buying cars and I've heard that a lot it, because, um, uh, because they hear other people buying cars. And so like the exotic car market has just been absolutely nuts. Um, yeah, I follow this guy, uh, uh, PJ, he owns this course called exotic car hacks and he, and I follow all the updates he's doing. In fact, I even bought, uh, um, uh, a somewhat exotic car anyways, last year and the market picked up a ton. So like the price of cars, exotic cars have skyrocketed and the same thing with, with Pokemon world, right? The Pokemon cards, it's very limited, but a lot of it goes down to biases. And so like some of the things that I've learned working with some of these these guys like a Ty Lopez and, um, you know, some ovens, you know, you're learning about different, they call it 25 cognitive biases. So different biases that are built into us. And if we understand those biases, you could literally unlock anything out of people. So you can get like the wealthiest person to, to notice you and recognize you and, and want to work with you if you understand these biases. So like the bias, for example, you know, reward punishment or super response tendency biases you know, so like if, you, if I don't buy this car right now, you know, the punishment would be that someone else is going to get this car. Or if I don't buy this, you know, these, these Pokemon cards right now, you know, and, and take that reward, the punishment, the super response tendency would be someone else will buy those, buy those cards. And so what ends up happening is people go into the stores and buy, you know, thousands of dollars worth of cards and cleans out a whole block because they're afraid that someone else might go in and do the same thing, which is kind of weird, right? But, yeah, like um, one of uh, one of my clients just picked up a SBJ Lamborghini, uh, Aventador. That's the top of the line Lamborghini, most expensive one out on the market. And my other friend who has a car lot of uh, over a hundred exotics was like, "Hey, um, tell him I want to buy his car." I'm like, "He, he just got it." He's like, "Tell him I'll pay him more than what he paid." I'm like, "He, he just got it." <laughs> and, and like we kind of had that conversation, and like other things like. 
just because people haven't people who are actually affluent and have the resources to do whatever they want aren't really able to do things they're kind of like buying up all the things that are out there like rolex two years ago you could walk into a store and walk out with a rolex the same day now uh twelve thousand yeah. dollar daytona's uh retail are reselling for about thirty three thousand so and then like you can't even get the thing retail anymore. Like they have lists backed up like no tomorrow, and like all these goods are kind of just selling out everywhere because like people don't know where to put their money. Yeah, no idea. I I can't remember where I heard. I've heard somewhere where uh, if if you buy a Ferrari, the, these guys are are, are uh, having you buy two Ferraris because they would have a seller lined up for the second one. So they end up making profit on the second Ferrari, even though they actually never accepted delivery of that Ferrari. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's wild. It's wild going on. Like there's another bias that follows along with it. It's called the Keynesian fairness tendency. You may have heard of it. So basically like the thought that all things need to be fair. And so like it goes into the, the context of like, um, if you don't know if you read the book, The Prince um, um, by um, Machiavelli. And basically he talks about inside of it, you know, part of it, like the, the, the Keynesian fairness tendency. So he talks about in order to, make an omelet, you have to break an egg, right? You have to break some eggs. And so, you know, like, like the example would be like, like if you had an employee that was working for you and she's an elderly employee and she's working for you for years, but this one time you actually caught her stealing right out of the red cash register. So total embezzlement. But she kind of explains, she starts breaking down cries and saying, Hey, look, my, my husband, he's sick. He's not feeling well. You know, he's, he's in really bad shape. I'm only stealing money so I could pay for his treatment. And so when you're put in that situation, you know, what do you do? And what would you do? Uh, I heard that the answer to this is to go and fire them because that was the first time that they got caught and not the first time that they did it. Yeah, and, you're, and you'd be absolutely right. So it's like if you find 10 thefts, right, in a year, so you've, you've measured like, all right, so there's 10, like you, you've identified that, that 10 things have been stolen within the year. Is it likely that that is their first offense? Right? The likelihood well, is, not. you know, maybe not. But, but then it also depends on, like, how big of a deal it is, too. Like, if that's your fucking livelihood, then, yeah, you're definitely firing it. If it's, like, just pennies over the top, I mean... Fraud happens to every single type of company. It's about minimizing it and, like, really, just, it's case by case. And real life matters, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And so, like, so Charlie Munger actually talked about this and said the, there's about two models that he produced. So if you heard of Charlie Munger, he's basically a, a Warren Buffett's right-hand guy, um, works over Berkshire Hathaway. This guy's, you know, multi-billionaire. But he said there's about some po the possible out, out, outcomes of this. Like, number one, you know, she's lying, right? And you fire her right in the spot. Um, you know, the good outcome is, you know, it kind of cures the problem. So, you know, the, you don't have a thief inside of your store. And number two, you know, she's telling you the truth, you know, but, you know, you still fire her. Uh, third is she's lying to you and you pardon her. You say, all right, you've forgiven, right? But the fourth is, like, she's telling you the truth and you pardon her, right? And so, you know, like the bad outcome for that integrity is because we'll basically, basically we'll do is we'll send the wrong signal, like embezzlement or stealing is okay. But what you basically broke it down to is, is it comes down to probability. And so the probability is, you know, what are the other factors that are signaling, signaling the uh, people's incentive and rights of integrity or systems of integrity? 
And so what Charlie Munger actually concluded, concluded with that is, is basically you got to look at it. It's not a legal problem. It's more of an ethical problem. And since it's an ethical problem, you know, it can actually be solved arithmetically, like just with math and a simple solution. So like what you said, so like this depends on, you know, if, if it's like a, an extreme example, right, it might make sense to fire her. But if it's, uh, you know, a small example, like how often will this happen? How often will she do it? It basically just boils down to math. Um, but that goes, that goes back to the Keynesian fairness tendency, like all things need to be fair. You know, like, you know, if you tell a lie, like, for example, if, like, is it right to tell a lie in order to save someone's life? You know, so it's like, in, in, when all things are fairness, you know, you, you always tell the truth. But that's not always the case. So that's, the thing is, with biases, like, there's no real, like, right or wrong answer. It's, you know, it's like a case-by-case basis. Exactly. Uh, Everything's on a case-by-case basis, and life definitely is not fair in any way whatsoever, or else the hardest workers in the Victorians at school would be the people who have multi-billion dollar businesses, but then you have people like Elon yeah. Musk who smokes weed, and he's at the top. <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> right. right. I mean, yeah, if, if it's based on hard work, the janitors would be making the most amount of money. You know, that's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're absolutely right. So it comes down to you. Um, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, so it's, you're right. Crazy market out there, man. Um, if you want to buy anything of luxury, even Pokemon cards right now. So, <laughs> yeah, like one time I was working with someone who was like, oh, yeah, if you take more money than other people, then that's not fair. You have to make it fair, 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 fair. Then I'm like, you know what? This isn't fair to me because I'm the person who's carrying the reputation. I have the expertise. I have all this other stuff. Everyone's leveraging off of me. So why does it have to be fair? Where's my benefit? And I'm like, screw this. I'm done. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in those, I mean, those principles, I mean, apply, apply to marketing. I mean, exactly what you just said, you know, like, you know, exactly what you just said applies to the rules of marketing. It's, you know, is it, is it fair? Like for the, you know, like for example, they brought it multiple times, you know, the, like the business owner, is it fair for the business owner to make more money than the employee? You know, like, well, they are taking on more risk. And if the business fails, you know, they will, you know, go bankrupt and lose money and reputation but if the employee, if the business fails, the employee just loses a job. So does it make sense for the employee to make as much or got more than the business owner? I guess. But it just it brings up a lot of interesting questions, though. Like that's, that's why you know these topics are really interesting because they bring up a lot of interesting questions uh, out of it. At the same time, like in the Charles Dickens area, you had orphans running around grabbing bread from people and just running off with them. Like. <laughs> really blame them like they have to eat right so like sure you could go and punish them but also at the same time what's that really going to do they still have to eat and they have no means to do it they're a kid like what are they supposed to do so there's like tons of different situations and when you kind of look at the world that we're in now like you go to the grocery store you're spending about two to three times what you used to spend and you're buying exactly the same stuff that you used to buy the Rolexes go from 12,000 to 33,000 everything's raising in price uh, you go to the restaurant you used to have an all you can eat Korean barbecue meal for about 30 bucks now it's about 39 bucks and if you look at everyone's paycheck as an employee those aren't really raising and 
Um, if we look at what companies have done for a long period of time, what they really focused on is increasing profit, increasing profit, increasing profit. Greed is good. That's a Milton Friedman philosophy that was tossed down from the 1950s. And that was adopted by all the companies until now. And what happened from that? Outsourcing, cutting corners, uh, skimping on product, cutting off uh, pension uh, benefits, uh, Blah, blah blah like the list just goes on and on and on and you could continue with what happens with that and also you see the great divide where you know ceos used to make x amount more and now it's like 10 to 15 times more than what it used to be so it's significantly different and the whole focus of what our whole economy is based off of is uh, shareholder value so every company puts down oh yeah I got to do 5% increase next year I got to do a 10% increase next year I got to do 15% so it puts all this pressure around all the employees but then um, they're just making benefit for shareholders instead of themselves but the funny thing is if you really look at today and you look at shareholder value shareholder value is based more on speculation than anything else Tesla is huge when it comes to the numbers and the price of its stock and how much it's raised over time. That does not directly reflect its revenue in any way whatsoever. You have other outliers like GameStop and AMC. AMC almost went bankrupt and then they have a $40 stock now. And then you have other companies who are hitting their objectives and their stock prices are going down. So it shows you that when you have this whole plethora of information that's going on, like the market the shareholder value that people used to go after isn't really what's uh, what companies should be doing. They should be figuring out ways to really solve things. If um, your employee who was making seventy grand a year and was happy because they had maybe five hundred dollars extra a month after they paid all their bills and were able to have fun, but now because gas, groceries, and everything else went up, they're negative two fifty a month. Do you think they're happy? Right. So there's a lot of things like it's like most people look at it myopically and go incident, incident. This is exactly how it is. But then you kind of have to look at the big picture of how everything works in synchronicity. And not a lot of people have the ability to go and put them back to look at the big full picture of how everything works in sync with each other. Yeah. Well, you know, it brings up another another interesting point, too, because, you know, with you, as you mentioned, like the AMC uh, you know, Tesla, I mean, things are growing astronomically. You, you look at the, the traders, people buying these things, and everything they buy is, is going up. It's about time for a commercial oh, yeah. break. Where can people find you online, Jesse? Yeah, so uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram, thejessienavarro.com, or J the Jesse Navarro, uh, which is J-E-S-S-E-N-A-V and Victor, A-R-O. Uh, Instagram is the best place. I'm actually rebuilding my website um, <laughs> because uh, Leonard uh, motivated me to do it. So that should be up here soon, and that should just be jessienavarro.com. Well, and you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, leonardkim.com, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. 
It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here with Jesse Navarro. We've been talking a, a lot about different things, such as the increasing cost of goods, ethical matters in regards to what happens if someone steals, and all bunch of stuff. And what we left off on is kind of the stock market. Uh, a lot of traders have been hopping in. You've kind of mentioned that a bit, Jesse. Do you want to uh, leave off where you left off? Yeah, no, it, I was talking about, you know, the the amount of gains that we've had this year, you know, with these individual stocks, you mentioned AMC, GameStop, Tesla, and several others, and you got a whole other market, you know, the crypto market, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, and prices just keep, seem to be rising. And so, you know, and so there's another bias that falls, falls along with it, especially with traders. They call it the excessive self-regard tendency. And so basically what it is is people thinking they are uh, better than they really are. And so, like, if you make a trade and it profits, means as well, does it mean that you're a good trader or does it mean that you just happen to be lucky? So I'll give you an example. You know, the, the, the AAA did a study uh, of, of how people think, and you've probably heard about this, of, of how good of drivers that people think they are. And they actually found that 8 out of 10 people actually found themselves to be really good drivers. But uh, about 90% of the accidents were caused by human error. So it's, it's physically impossible <laughs> for all eight out of 10 people to be uh, uh, good, actual good drivers. But the tendency is they think they're good drivers. And that follows along like in marketing, for example. So like if you are writing a sales letter and you tell them in the sales letter that they're bad at something, chances are they won't believe you. <laughs> so they will, they will actually believe, like if you tell someone that they're 
a, a bad driver, they won't believe you. Like no one, rarely anyone says I'm a bad driver. Everyone says they're a good driver. And so if you write that they're bad at something or then you do something because of their fault, uh, chances are they won't believe you and your sales letter will be most likely ineffective. Um, but, um, anyway, it's one of the things I learned. So like we're talking about trading that, um, I, I'm in the trading groups and some of the trading groups and I always see people showing their gains <laughs> and how great of traders they are. But, you know, you wonder, you know, is it, are they really good? Like what's the consistency level of, of that stuff? Well, it's also social media. Like, you have to kind of think about it from a social media perspective. We're in a Pokemon group together, and guess what people share? They share their hits. Do they show their, uh, they share their, uh, 10 cent hollow that they got from the other packs? (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, that's it. They'll, they'll, they'll keep sharing their hits. And then, but what that does is that gets other people excited about it. And then those people will go out and they'll try to find to buy more, more Pokemons or pay well over retail to get the same cards, uh, thinking that that particular set of cards has a higher pool rate than other cards. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, when you only the, see the, the hits online, you, think, you have to automatically think that everyone's winning. Yeah. Yeah. And so the that. interesting thing about the stock market in general is the actual volume of trades and the volume of money that was kind of in the uh, stock market before the pandemic actually doubled when the pandemic started because of the other disposable income thing and the, also the lack of things to do. So a lot of people just went in as complete newbies. And uh, the sad thing is most people end up failing. But um people do highlight their wins so then they get excited and try again instead of really seeing the ins and outs of exactly how the trading system works like um if you have and like if you go and you look up strategies for like day trading online and you go to free resources or if you go to textbooks sure you'll find a strategy that works but it might work like 35 percent of the time and if you're taking a bet on something that works 35 percent of the time yeah you'll have a few wins but overall you're going to lose more money than you win uh like to effectively do something you have to have a strategy that works at least 55 60 65 70 75 percent and those are few and far between, and they're hard to uh, figure out exactly where you can source that information, for one. And two, if you're going out there and trying to discover these on your own, like that's pretty complex. You have to have some pretty in-depth software and a lot of data to really go and figure that out. Right. And you're absolutely right. So it's like you know, people are using one tool. It's like the man with a hammer syndrome. You know, every, well, the man with a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. And so everyone comes in with a hammer thinking that one thing works because maybe it worked one time. But it won't work if you have a screw in there. Like, <laughs> like you turn a hammer, uh, hammer a screw in, it just, it just won't work. You know, like, like we were talking about earlier, like the 25 cognitive biases. And these are the biases I mentioned earlier that, that literally could, could convince, any, you know, even the most powerful people to, to pay attention to you. And there's this thing that Charlie Munger uh, um, coined, he talked about, it's called the Lollapalooza effect. And basically what the Lollapalooza effect is, is if when you have multiples of these 25 cognitive biases, maybe all of them at once, but you have a multiple of these 25 cognitive biases working all together is when you could really influence. And so like if you're trying to influence to get to sell a product or grow a following, you know, you're, you're using multiples of these, uh, of these cognitive biases, you know, like liking, rewarding bias you know, uh, these excessive self-regard tendencies talked about, right? Uh, influence, like, from mere association, right? Just me being associated with 
with Leonard, right? Is there, you know, does that, you know, does that put you, put, uh, you know, me in a, in a different category, right, of status? And people, you know, using, leveraging all of those, all of those things um, uh, to get basically anything that you want. Um, but you know, you, you've probably seen a lot of that stuff, right? Marketing that you've done, like just some of the, some of the biases that people have uh, written. I think you had, you wrote, you saw some uh, in healthcare that you had, you had put together, right? Yeah. And I think what really separates these types of people who are really able to move to the top is that they're more circular type thinkers as opposed to linear type thinkers. Like Charlie Munger definitely is a very circular thinker. He thinks about the big picture and how to compile things together. That's why, as you mentioned, he has 24 biases that he stuck together and compiled something big because he took piece from here, 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 and stuck them all together. Like the unique thing about Charlie uh, Charlie Munger is he's an expert generalist. He's not a specialist in one field. He takes a little bit from this field, a little bit from that field, a little bit from that field, and combines it all together so he gets a full picture of how things work. Um, the people who uh, usually people who are circular thinkers end up having a struggling start when they first go out and launch because they have to collect more data points as they go by to really get to that circular point where all the biases that they acquire over the, the time really moves them forward. The problem is that so many people are linear thinkers, just like you said with the nail and the hammer. They're like nail, hammer, nail, hammer. That they become specialists in what exactly what they're doing and they master their craft in one thing, but one thing does not equate to the entire uh, solution like we have another friend who's a mutual friend of ours who's a great marketer but he's focused on one thing and um when we compare like net revenue together like mine is significantly higher even though it looks like his is <laughs> right right yeah and that that wild that's like uh you know when i mentors always talked about that like the worst thing in life is to be good at the wrong thing and so you work your, you know, you work, you know, a good amount of time and you're good at something, but it's the wrong thing. It's something that actually won't bring you any sort of happiness. And, and that's a, it, it's, it's a common problem. And so like, how do you, how do you avoid that? Like, how do you avoid, you know, uh, you know, learning, learning the wrong thing. And I, in fact, that's, that's, I never thought of it that way. The, the linear thinking versus circular thinking, you know, going, going around. And, and I remember a time is exactly kind of what you said, like, circular thinking, like it took me a while to kind of get things up and running, um, you know, until, uh, in fact, it was a mentor of mine. How I actually got started in marketing was a, a mentor of mine, um, Al Badero. He, he said that I should be a financial advisor. So he was my finance professor. So naturally he wanted to be a financial advisor. So I, I just, I did it because he said I should do it. And that was really it. Uh, in fact, my, my business struggled for about five years. Uh, from 2010 to 2015 until I, I wrote a book uh, called 10 Things You Should uh, Ask Your Financial Advisor Before, uh, 10 Things You Ask Your Financial Advisor Before um, Hiring Them. And and I put that book on Facebook, uh, did some ads, and that book completely blew up and it grew my business you know, like tenfold. And, and, so, and so it wasn't until like that actually happened, uh, then I realized like what, what is it that I was really passionate about? I was actually a much better marketer than I was a financial advisor. And it came to a point where like, I really hated talking about finance and I love talking about marketing and doing marketing every single day. And so my, you know, that was kind of the point transition of my career from a financial advisor to someone who likes to do more, more marketing. 
but it took a long time, like, you know, took half a decade for me just to figure that piece out. So the thing is, like, when we look at how our systems are generated from school and so forth, like, we're kind of trained to go on a linear path. Oh, you got to go get your uh, architecture degree so you could be an architect. That's a very linear path, right? Right. And right. when we kind of look at other things, it's like marketing, communications, like science, like physics like it's a very linear path that people kind of go down mathematics and so forth so we get we get kind of trained by the education system to go into a linear path and then usually what happens is we go down that path and then we experience resistance at some point we might get some failures we might have some wake-up calls we might have some types of experiences then we kind of pull ourselves back and go wait 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 what's going on here is this what i really want to do for the rest of my life and <laughs> oh wait this is something that didn't really work for me then we kind of take a step back and we start thinking of different things and then that kind of opens up the circular thinking now the problem is once people do this, most of the time they go back straight down another linear path and then they repeat the cycle over and over. But um, some people get it really, really quickly at a young age and pick up that circular thinking and go and ride with it. Other people um, have to go through the failures a few times before they're like, wait, okay, 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 okay. Uh, circular, circular, full vision. How does everything <laughs> together? What, what's the pieces? And kind of move forward. But the hard thing about also being a circular thinker is sometimes you could be going in the right direction and everything, and something out of the blue will knock you off track. And for us as physical beings and physical creatures, when we feel emotional pain, when we feel physical pain, when we feel like different things that we're not used to, like feeling awkward in situations, being screwed over, whatever it may be. Like these things kind of shift our worldview a little bit because we take that pain, we carry it into our heart. And then what we do is we put a layer over that because most people are like, you know what, forget about it and move on, forget about it and move on. So you put a layer over mm -hmm. it. And then you kind of like forget about it. Then you lose those fundamental elements that you once had that were beneficial and you kind of change as a person. So then most people have to go in and heal themselves and get all that junk out before they could truly become that circular thinker again because now they have the biases but they have the wrong biases because they're in the protection mode as opposed to a loving, uh, empathetic, compassionate, oh, uh, enthusiastic, curio curious uh, perspective where they're going to grow, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, it, you know they, they call it the you know the you know you bury your head in the sand, right? I mean that's kind of you basically know, kind of get, you you, know, you 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 get you hear information and you know, there's bias for that. You know it's called the like the the paid avoidance, the simple paid avoidance psychology denial is what they call it. And so basically what it is is like they the most people like won't accept won't accept basically they'll distort the facts until it's bearable for them to view. And so and so like they'll make excuses for themselves. So, like, if they're going down this path and they, they think it's wrong, but then they'll start making excuses. Well, well, at least I have a job. Or, you know, or at least, you know, I met this person and I like, I really like this guy, you know, <laughs> you know, and they'll like to keep distorting the truth until the truth is completely different and it's bearable enough for them to understand. And um, Daniel Kahneman actually talks about this, too, because he has a book. If you, you've probably read it called Thinking Fast and Slow. And so he talks about there's two different brains that we have. So we have a fast thinking brain 
You know, and those are the brain that we developed, you know, for, you know, uh, for centuries. And basically, it's, you know, if there's a car in the way, you don't think about it, you jump out of the way, right? And that's just a fasting brain. Like, you, you don't need a lot of processes to jump away from danger. But, you know, the thinking slow part is the harder part. That's the part where you can actually stop and perceive, like, what is really going on and understand and sit and think. And the problem with that is it takes a lot of calories and brain power to, uh, uh, to do that. I think it's said up to 20% of, of your um, calories are consumed uh, just by thinking, your brain power. So it consumes a lot of, a lot of calories. And it used to be, you know, our ancestors before in the past, like, you know, there used to be a, a scarcity in food. It wasn't like this, you know, a thousand years ago. There's no grocery stores. There's no market. There's no McDonald's you could drive into. And so food was really scarce. And so since food was really scarce, thousands of years ago, you know, where our tendency is to not sit and think too much. <laughs> our tendency is to just keep going, uh, you know, and because thinking too much would cause uh, uh, too much energy to be burned. And so people, I find people rarely, if ever, just sit and just think about things and problems that they have. And if they did, well, you know, a lot of these problems would be solved of like well, within their lives, I, I guess. I could definitely tell you that what you're saying is true. The more you think, the more uh, consumption of food you have. That's a definite 100% fact because like um, over in the last few months, um, I really didn't eat that much, but I was just like, you know, laying around, just enjoying things, doing things on the group. But in the last few weeks, I've been thinking a lot and I'm like, why am I always so hungry now? Like, I'm used to like, stretching, I'm like used to stretching this uh, food budget for a long time or get this grocery store, whatever I get at the grocery store for a long time. I'm like, this, this thing's gone in like a meal or two. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's time for us to hop off to another commercial break. I'll touch more on some of the things that you said, and we'll uh, hop more back into that. But where can people find you online again, Jesse? Yep. So uh, Instagram, thejessinavarro.com. Uh, I'm having my new my new website. It's in uh, it's being built right now, but it's jessinavarro.com. N a v is in Victor a r r o dot com. Cool. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, leonardkim.com, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel 
Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel with a replay on Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here with Jesse Navarro. We've been talking about a lot of different things in regards to the psychology of how things work. One of the things that uh, Jesse mentioned earlier is a lot of people make their decisions fast. They think fast and uh, they don't take the time to really like slow down and think things through. And one of the real big downsides of this is let's say I were to toss you an accusation, Jesse. I'm just going to say it. we're not going to say whether this is true or not. I'm just going to say something for the sake of saying it. And tell me what your natural inclination to respond is. Jesse, you're a horrible marketer. <laughs> uh, I guess my, my initial was lovely. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like most people's natural yeah. response is like, F you. The... The opinions, the, the opinions. After after a while, you know, you get to a point. You know, the opinions of, other, of others care a lot. You worry about the opinions of others a lot less. You know, it's it, it's uh, it, it comes. You know, it was for me. It was when um, it came down. It wasn't even success. It's weird. It, for me, it came down to money. Like when I had the, enough money to be like, it doesn't really matter what you know what other people say. Like like. That's where it came, like, real. Like, it's, it's a weird thing. It's hard for me to explain, but, like, when you have enough money where you don't need to rely on someone or be friendly to someone just because they can help you, um, is it's a really interesting thing. So, like, lately, like, I don't get a lot of people hating on me. Maybe I should. In fact, Dan Kennedy talked about this. If you don't have someone, you're not, if you don't piss someone off by noon, you're not doing your job. So maybe I am a bad marketer because I don't piss people off by noon. But, no, uh... No. <laughs> But, that, that's uh, not, you know, the, that, that's not really it. Like, it's more, more so a lot of people take that as face value, right? And they're like, yeah. oh, this person's saying this about me. Wh- whatever accusation it could be, right? But then, like, right. if you kind of have the time to think, and the thing with a lot of males is males kind of lock this empathy thing that women are really, really good at for some reason. And they understand, like, where other people are, like, coming from, right? For, for men, yeah. we have to go to a deep dive and go, because we take things at face value, right? If someone says, oh, you're a horrible marketer, like your immediate thing is like, well, maybe I'm a horrible marketer, right? <laughs> like, like that's, how, that's how men react. Like we take things at yeah. face value. And 
a lot of times what we really need to do is we have to think, why is that person saying what they're saying? Are they saying it because they're jealous because they're not getting the same type of marketing results that you are? Are they, are they showing their own insecurities with what they're doing? Are they hurt because they want to be your mentee, but then you don't have enough time to do it? Are, are they sad because they can't be a part of the picture? Are they not doing enough on their own efforts and they're projecting their failures onto you? Is there something that they were looking for, like a piece of compassion and empathy in one of your messages that wasn't there? Like what was missing for that person to make him react that way? Like in relationships and things like that, that we have all across lives, like our lives, like some people end up saying things and tossing out accusations all the time. But then at the end of the day, like they have difficulty really saying things from their heart because they have so much of that uh, blockage that we kind of mentioned earlier. Instead of saying something like, oh man, I really wish that you could have talked more about this industry. Or, oh, I really wish that you could have been my mentor and taught me the things that you knew. Or, oh man, I had a similar campaign and it sucked, but yours is doing well. Like, I wish I knew what you were doing. Like, you know, like coming from a place of like empathy, compassion, authenticity, and all that other stuff. But it's like bombarded with all the junk that comes on top of it. Right. Right. And that's, uh, you know, that, that reminds me of like, um, like trolls, for example, like online trolls. And people will just save random stuff and it just seems totally random, but they'll save the, the, the meanest things on the planet. And, and, you know, it comes down to, you know, like what you said, you know, also I, I seriously think it's like a mental health issue too. Like we're, we're living in probably one of the worst periods for people who, you know, for, for mental health. I mean, so many people who, who, um, you know, are struggling right now, especially during the pandemic, right. They're home all day long. In fact, I even felt it too. I was home for like six months, didn't go anywhere. And I was starting to get stir crazy. Uh, you know, and I had resources and had things that had family around me. Like imagine people who didn't have anything, right. They're struggling, and they didn't have anyone, and and they had this. You had to be stuck at home, or stuck in one spot for uh, for a period of time. And you just get angry. You know, you get angry at the world, you get angry at you know just people, and it doesn't matter who they are. You, you just want to share and express your anger. And uh, you know, and that's where you know you get those troll posts. You know, people just posting the you know, the most ridiculous things. Um, you know, I think I truly, I truly believe it has to come down part of you know some sort of mental health and mental health issues. But, you know, I don't know. So, I mean, I what, what would you do if someone uh, were to tell you that you're bad at something, bad at branding, bad at marketing? Like what, you know, would you would you go towards the empathy path or would you just say, all right, well, whatever? Well, I have someone who tosses out a new accusation to me every single day for the last few weeks. So, um, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I guess to... Uh, perspective like first I was like wait 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 what is the reason behind all this like and then like other things I'm like this is like completely like unfounded like you're saying this but I have all the documents and material that says otherwise and you do too if you actually looked <laughs> and, and like I just have one coming after another and it really just comes down to the hurt that they have like hurt people hurt people and like it's trying to take it from a place of compassion and love and empathy and trying to rebuild that and establish a bridge and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but then the best thing that you can really do for yourself in a situation like that is to like really learn 
So then you could go and kind of better yourselves and uh, because it's like, oh, maybe someone felt neglected. Maybe someone used to love your undivided attention and got sad when you started doing more work or something like that. So it makes you more thoughtful the next time around. Also, at the same time, like right. a lot of people, like almost every single person, their fundamental beliefs, they make those rocks solid. They, they like chisel it into the ground, they dig deep, and they stick the pole down, and they cement it, and they glue it, and they put every single piece of material over it, right? Like one of those for me right. used to be um, on time is late, late is unheard of. You probably heard something similar, right? And on I, time I, is, I, okay, I, yeah, yeah. Early is on time, on time is late, late is unheard of, right? Right, right. And, and then I spent a lot of time with someone who loved to be fashionably beautiful wherever they went, but then it didn't matter if they were late or not. So two fundamental beliefs, rock solid on both ends, not much flexibility, causes huge problems, if that makes sense. So it's about being a little bit yeah. more flexible with your own personal beliefs, too. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, especially with dealing with, with people, like I, I think the more I understand psychology, the the more empathetic I am with people in general. Like I like 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 um, I used to live in Seattle, so Seattle's heavy traffic area, and so I used to get really upset when people would would um, cut me off and, <laughs> and and get aggressive with driving, and I become less uh, you know less upset of it, you know after understanding more psychology, and I become more empathetic. Like, well, maybe that guy's having a bad day. You know, he didn't, you know, he didn't hit me. No one got in a car accident, you know, so, you know, we're just, I'll just kind of move on. Right. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, no, you're, you're, no, you're absolutely correct, man. The, um, empathy is, is, uh, it's a hard one to grasp. Like there's all, there's you know, books, uh, you know, around empathy and different things. If, if you haven't figured out, I love reading books. I've read, you know, tons and tons of books, uh, around psychology and empathy, but, Empathy can be the hardest one uh, because a lot of people are focused on on themselves more uh, in in rationalizing what you know their life is, and it's harder for them to jump into other people's shoes uh, because of it. So yeah, and the, and the biggest problem is like hurt people hurt people, right? So then you have this childhood yeah, trauma yeah, that you never dealt with. You have this school trauma you never dealt with. You have this bully trauma you never dealt with. You have this relationship trauma you never dealt with. You have this. Uh, work trauma you never dealt with and then all these traumas kind of go and carry you along throughout your entire life and then next thing you know you're like full of all these traumas and you don't know how to deal with them so the and then to feel that empathy you have to go and heal all the other traumas so you can go and actually feel things and people don't know how to take the steps to go and heal so they don't get to the state of empathy. And the reason empathy is the hardest one is because you have to be in the sense of being fully healed to go and feel what other people are feeling because you feel good about yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's, a good, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, the amount of people that need to go see, you know, whether it's a, a, a psychologist or a therapist or just someone to talk to uh, is, is huge. And it, I, yeah, I think that's always the first step because it's, you know, anytime I run into a problem, um, I always like to talk it out. And like, for example, like my wife last night, I was working on building my website and um, I couldn't figure out the design aspect of it. So I just sitting there talking to her about it and I figured it out <laughs> just to have the conversation. It's no different from, you know, anything else, you know, it, you know, it might not be than a simple conversation, right? If it's a deep trauma, you know, it might take several conversations, but it's something just 
finding something and out source to, to communicate what is going on and help kind of peel some of that stuff back. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it would, it's like, um, it's like, uh, it's like, like kind of like losing weight, right. Or gaining weight. You know, it's, you know, you can, it's easier to, sometimes it can be easier to, or feels easier anyways to gain weight than to, to lose weight. But, you know, overall and long, long term, it's actually more beneficial and easier for you to lose weight than gain weight. Uh, given the amount of health issues might come up from um, being at a at a higher weight than you normally should be. Yeah, and that but, has other downsides anyways. too. Like, for example, my uncle, like he was the type of person who like held everything in and never talked about anything and just looked pissed off all the time and grunted. And he died in his fifties. So it has wow. negative consequences when you go and hold things in and don't actually talk about yep. it. Like talking about it, writing about it, doing something about it and getting this stuff off your chest, like that's so beneficial and helpful for healing and getting yeah. you back to a place where you can be empathetic. Anyways, it's about yeah, time for us to wrap huge. up our show. Uh, what's your final thoughts, uh, Jesse? My final what? Uh, do you have any final thoughts for the audience? Well, you, uh, my, my, my final thought is, is learn about the 25 cognitive biases. Because uh, if, you know, if your goal is influence to grow, to make money, uh, it's 100% you need to understand people and how they work. <laughs> so, but it may also even help understand yourself as well and, uh, and improve you yourself as a person uh, by understanding these biases. So that's my final thought. <laughs> awesome. So if anyone wants to go and work on their own biases as well, there's a book called Ditch the Act, which can really uh, tremendously help you in the process. Uh, you can find Jesse at the Jesse Navarro on Instagram, and you can find him at jessenavarro.com, J-E-S-S-E-N-A-V-A-R-R-O. You can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter or LeonardKim.com. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.